Ram Sharan is a world-renowned business advisor, speaker, and author. His most notable books are Execution, Boards That Lead, and What the CEO Wants You to Know. If you were given the chance to chat with him, what would you talk about? Well, you're going to find out soon enough here on CFO Bookshelf, the show for lifelong learning for financial leaders. Bob Swan is the former CEO of Intel. He calls talent the market cap multiplier, a book that should be the cornerstone of every organization's growth strategy. I had not heard of the book until Jack McCullough of the CFO Leadership Council made the introduction to Ram Sharan's team. My first reaction was to interview Ram on the book execution and what the CEO wants you to know, two of his biggest selling books, which we'll hear about later. But then I saw the 2022 release of this book on talent. Again, it's called Talent, the Market Cap Multiplier. I I had no idea what to expect as I started reading it, but it's essentially the playbook of the private equity firm, General Atlantic. I should say the talent playbook. And General Atlantic, they were started, founded in 1980. It's a series, the book is a series of both positive and negative case studies of how GA finds, obtains, and develops their leadership talent. Anish Batlaw, I hope I got your name right, He is the co-author of this book. He's a managing director at GA. He gives us a first row seat into how General Atlantic determines if it has the right talent to grow its investments. So this book is anything but an academic ivory tower tome on what could otherwise be a dull topic to study. And I was engaged from the first chapter until the end. So why even talk about this topic? Why does it matter? What's the so what? Well, consider these two facts according to General Atlantic. The average IRR drops about 82% compared to when they got the CEO change right the first time. That is huge. And they've got the data to support that. And then number two, when a CEO change was made in the first year of an investment, the IRR is six times, six times greater than if the change was made after the first year. And the numbers are terrible after that first year. Again, they've got the data to support this. In short, GA's key to success is getting the right management team in place within six months of closing a deal. My question for you is how this thinking into this data applies to your approach to finding then developing talent. There are seven case studies in this book and they read fast and they get to the point. My first observation is that General Atlantic, that team takes its time when interviewing every member of the management team, which obviously includes the CEO. 
And according to Rob Sherrod, this process is anything but the Spanish Inquisition. Yeah, I think the, it's, a, it's a running dialogue. It's the dialogue in the moment. But you know the thrust. Thrust you find out what's working and what's not working. What accountability is the person actually conducting, assuming, discharging, what is not, what he is blaming, what is he learning? Those are the kinds of questions, running dialogue. It's not a Spanish inquisition. It's give and take and get a feel for it and make some detailed notes. Some of the businesses I've worked with use a term called the bench. It's the next person standing. It's a list of people either inside the company or outside for a position when one becomes available. Now, General Atlantic, they have their term. It's called the talent bank. And this could possibly be one of their greatest assets, which includes a database of more than 4,000 executives. That's right, 4,000. And how does the talent bank help this private equity firm? Instead of the typical hire taking nearly four months, they can sometimes make a key hire in as few as 10 days. That's the power of a talent bank. Almost all companies in the world who depend on critical raw materials, they have a raw material bank. They have long-term contracts. They have things like take or pay. They have people fully assigned to make sure we get those raw materials set for those raw materials. Why don't we do for talent? Talent bank means that you have people somewhere. They're not available to you today, but they could be available to you tomorrow. You have talked to them. They are on your Rolodex. You touch base with them. When you need, you make an offer. Will they like to come? That's talent bank. You qualify them. You talk to them. You tell them what you're doing. You learn from them. And then when you need them, you pluck them out of their existing jobs. That's talent bank. Oh, wait a minute, Rob. This sounds really great for a big company, including PE firms. What about smaller firms? And so, Mark, I have I always have one small company. I want to get four million in sales. Service company. We have a talent bank. This man has a network. He talks to them, keeps them abreast. If he needs one, he will get one. He knows there are at least 30 competitors in his field. He knows them. He talks to them. He doesn't have a CHRO, by the way. Can't afford one. He does it himself. So, because he can't afford $4 million in sales. He has 27 people in the company. So I've always kept, how do you help somebody who has no resources? And then you build the capacity of the person. Prioritize what he focuses on. How he gets a little better person every year. Many years ago, I studied the writings of Elliot Jocks and his theory of cognitive abilities. And at the time, it was controversial, that is, when he came up with this concept, probably because it's more based on theory than hard science. But Jocks brought us a concept that I believe 
It's a great study for leaders and about leaders. Some of them have this uncanny ability to think ahead 5, 10, 20 years in the future. And you know who I'm talking about. You've been around some of those people who just, they have this gift of looking into the future. Some only have the capability to see a month out, a quarter out, maybe a year into the future. Think about the very first supervisor you worked for, especially it was in a blue collar environment. They're thinking out maybe tomorrow, next week, next month. That's about as far as their thinking goes. So, so Jocks, he breaks up these time spans into seven buckets. Stratum one is the thinking between now and three months. Stratum seven is 20 to 50 years. That's where you might see Steve Jobs or a Bill Gates. And by the way, if you're if you're intrigued, do a Google search on the requisite organization theory to learn more. So why do I bring up jocks? Well, listen to what Ram has to say about finding the right leader. Many, many companies, and most of them, they look down the road three years, some five. Apple looks down 12 years. Bezos looks down eight, nine years. And they say, do we have a person that we think will get us there and be ready to go to the next level? That's the judgment you make against which you say, is this person the right one? If not, can we coach, develop? If not, we're going to find a different one. I'm also a huge fan of the book Top Grading and Who, the A Method for Hiring. And these books are by the people behind GH Smart. And when I read a reference to GH Smart, a framework was mentioned that General Atlantic uses. And I just had to learn more. Uh, In brief, it's a leadership scorecard. And uh, Ram, can I see what that scorecard looks like? You see, leader scorecard, you have to construct of your own for each business. No two businesses are the same. What you just read are common elements. Because if a person does not do regular learning, he will be or she will be left behind. So that's a basic, it's fundamental. A person who cannot motivate people and cannot get the best out of them voluntarily is not going to win the game. After that, you look at this specific situation. Some of them are turnaround. You need turnaround, different skills. Some of them are hyper growth. You require different skills. Some of them are hurt by the pending legislation. You need different set of skills. So you've got to then tailor it to what is needed in the company at the time. Uh, By the way, those common elements he mentioned are track record, strategic thinking, learning agility, drive for results, team leadership, interpersonal influence. As much as I'd love to see one of the leadership scorecards of GA, it's a good starting point for building your own and applying for any leadership position. One of my favorite chapters in the book was the one about GA's investment in Hymnet, a dominant online website for real estate listings. Half the leadership positions were vacant at the time. There was also a lack of clarity 
on growth priorities, and there is no system in place to consistently measure executive performance. The private equity firm had a major decision to make. They had to decide, do we change CEOs? Well, they made that decision, but when? And during the search process, do they cut bait now or do they wait? While the answer is in the case study, I had the same question for Rom. Do you let that person go now or do you wait until there is a suitable replacement? It depends, but the the majority of the time, you will make the decision promptly and get somebody interim. Because once a person is told he's not going to be here, the whole psychology changes, everybody senses it, and the energy in the company goes down. Again, a fascinating book from a private equity firm's perspective on talent. It's not something they just talk about. It's a living and breathing playbook they use continually that's constantly being revised. And if you are a CEO, just read the first chapter. It's worth the price of the entire book. And by the way, a special shout out to any director of HR, read it, especially chapter seven on Argus Media. I was shocked to hear the number of copies that have sold for the title, What the CEO Wants You to Know. Want to take a guess? 200,000, quarter of a million, half a million, one million copies. That's how many copies have sold of What the CEO Wants You to Know. It's also a book that I give to CFOs that I coach and mentor. So what's it about in brief? The, the key point there is that what the CEO wants you to know is to know your company, how does it make money? It's the old, a street vendor knows how to make money. It's a one-person shop. It's based on measuring cash at the end of the day. That person makes the same decisions, how much to buy, what to buy, what's the mix of the merchandise, where is the beat, how to display on the on the on the wheelbarrow or on the on the on the tailor, and how to build an image in the beat so the kids can trust him. What is the price? When the food doesn't sell, cut the price. And by the end of the day, do you have enough cash or not? It is exactly the same terminology translating to local language, as a CEO of Exxon does. But Exxon more complex, more technology, more geography, more uh, government regulations, more stakeholders, and more employees. So you go from one-person shop to a $2.2 million shop, to a 2.2 million people shop like Walmart, like Amazon. And that's what is the similarity and differences. The other thing I like about this book is it can improve your financial acumen if you need it to, especially if you're not a financial person. Starting in chapter three, uh, Rob gives us this formula, R equals M times V, R equals M times V. R is return, M is in margin, V is in velocity. So margin times velocity equals a return. It's more than just following a formula as well. Rob gives us examples of the best CEOs focusing on cash flow, revenue growth, and knowing and taking care of the customer. 
So I, I do ask every CEO about their favorite books. In fact, when I have lunch with anybody, I'll get around to books. What are you reading? What do you like? Uh, family members, what do they read? Well, again, I had to ask a question to, to Rom. So l- let me pause just briefly. Any idea what books you think he would say he likes? Well, I got it right on one author, but I got the title wrong. I had two books, 1963, Peter Drucker, Practice of Management, and Douglas McGregor, Human Side of Enterprise. By the way, there is a Kindle version of the first edition of the Human Side of Management, and it is accessible, very very readable. And by the way, I love the discussion about Scanlon plans, and no, no spoilers here. Again, I want to thank Jack McCullough of the CFO Leadership Council for introducing me to Rob Sharon. And this is a personal personal message for Jack. I think Rom enjoyed the conversation. It's a delight to be there with you. And I appreciate such a thorough work and incisive questions. I'm very grateful to you. We should do these things again. And thank you. You are listening to CFO Bookshelf. Lifelong learning for financial leaders. And now, back to our host, Mark Gandy. Rob Schron, co-author of the book Talent, the Market Cap Multiplier. Also, a shout out to the other author, Anish Batlaw, who was writing these case studies in the first person. And if you are listening, oh, we get to meet sometime. I want to shake your hand. This is a great a book. Uh, some big ideas in the book, some already mentioned previously, the Talent Bank. It is excellent. Two in a box. We didn't talk about it. Uh, getting the team right within six months, that was mentioned. Uh, the leader evaluation scorecard mentioned that, talked about high potentials. The one-to-one meetings was fascinating. Uh, moving now versus waiting, we hit on that a little bit. The search, no shortcuts, misalignment of the top two people, and why some succeed in the short term but fail in the long term. That was the vision conversation. And I don't think you'll be disappointed in this book. CFOs, COOs, CHROs, CMOs, CROs. Guys, this book is for us too. We need to call this a wrap. I'm Mark Gandy for CFO Bookshelf. (music) 